Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Genesis of Startups, where we interview brilliant minds in entrepreneurship to explore what it's really like to start a business. Our guest today is Jacob Leskov, co-founder and director of Unicorn Shift, an on-demand marketplace for road traffic control. Previously, Jacob was a project manager in a civil engineering consultancy. He holds a management degree and is currently completing a master's in PR at the University of Sydney. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do at Unicorn Shift? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the co-founder of Unicorn Shift. So essentially uh, how the idea came to me was that I was in a community organization in my hometown of of Campbelltown and, uh, you know, we've got the highest concentration of intergenerationally disadvantaged people. Well, I was on the, involved in this organization that would give out food hampers to these people. And what I found out was uh, certain people stopped showing up. And, you know, I made some investigations and I found out that they'd done a two-day course. And essentially, they they got their tickets, their certifications as traffic controllers. And uh, they were starting to earn over $2,000 a week in this, in this fantastic industry. And, you know, that, that blew my mind because uh, these people had never essentially, yeah, they were locked out of the, the labor force for, for many reasons. And, you know, they, they've given this opportunity. So that got me interested in the road traffic control industry. And from there, I just started to talk to people, ask more questions about the industry. And I found that there, there was a real problem with, with resource allocation, getting the right resources in the right place at the right time. And yeah, that's 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 basically how I came stumbled upon the idea for Unicorn Shift. There was this clear resource allocation problem, and you know it was easily solvable through technology. So I saw a fantastic opportunity, and and I know you asked me, you know, to tell me about myself, but you know, I, I feel like Unicorn Shift has taken up so much of my life. It really is, it, you know, it really is basically me. That, mm. That's who I am now, because, you know, especially the, the, the amount of hours that you put into a startup, it really becomes you. Mm. I can completely understand that. Most of the time, well, in fact, all of the time, startup founders are introducing themselves like, hi, I'm William from XYZ, instead of just, hi, I'm William. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned it was a, a resource allocation problem. Could you tell us more about what you meant by that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the key issues is that road traffic control, it's a, it's a reactive service. So when organizations, when you're, you're, you're the, when a telecommunications company, uh, for example, is, is doing repairs on towers, they're not going to need traffic control. Construction companies need traffic control. A whole bunch of, anytime you do works near roads, it's a legal requirement to do traffic control. And, and what happens is these bookings usually happen the night before and what, what what that creates is a, it's because it's a last minute booking. It it really becomes difficult to resource that booking. Hmm. And what I was finding is that you'd have people traffic controllers from Wollongong going up to Newcastle to to fulfil work. You've got people from Newcastle going down to Wollongong to to do traffic control. It was just it was crazy. And 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 you know it's it's what I found also discovered that you know when even a single missing person from the traffic control plan means that that worksite is non-compliant and that, that is a very painful problem for the client so yeah I, I think the key reason is that it, because it's last minute ad hoc that was really one of the core reasons why you know th- this problem exists yeah 
That's very interesting. Is there any particular reason that the industry just can't use a standard booking software to book in advance? Yeah, I think it's just the nature of infrastructure projects. You know, yes, they, you know, you, you do plan a project, but, you know, it could rain out tomorrow or your foreman could get sick or, you know, there's, there's delays in materials. So, I mean, there are, there definitely are, there is just software that, that makes it very easy to book things in. There's tons of, tons of that out there, but, you know, the, the reality of infrastructure projects is that, you know, they're, they're super complex, things happen, you know, they're out in the real world and you could have the best booking software in the world, but, you know, if you don't have the bodies, if you don't have the equipment, if you don't have the, the right vehicles in the right place at the right time, you've got a really big problem. Mm, I see. Jacob, your recommendation for early and future entrepreneurs is to talk to your customers and to focus on things that get traction. Could you tell us what this means for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what that means is it's really about being focused on the customer. You know, I think as entrepreneurs, we really want to build stuff. We want to build fantastic products that, you know, customers love, that have fantastic user experiences. But, you know, the reality is that, you know, customers want problems solved. Mm. That's, that's what they want. And, you know, you know, solving a, solving a problem, technology is simply an enabler for solving problems. So in terms of getting traction, first of all, you want to make sure that there is a, a real problem, a genuine problem. And one way you can test that is, is someone willing to pay for, you know, the, the, the value proposition that you're putting, you're putting in front of people, your offer. And, you know, that the, the, you know, then the reason you want to test for that is because that is your biggest risk. So, yeah, in terms of getting that early traction, it's really about, you know, putting your, your, your what value proposition in front of your customers as quickly as possible, seeing if they are interested in it and, and you know, try and get into sale before you've even built anything. And, and to just give you an example, when Unicorn Shift was just an idea, when it was just a pitch deck, we did some, we did those experiments. We uh, went into traffic control, Facebook groups, we you know, put our value proposition in, in front of the traffic controllers and, and you know, we, we started to get signups. My, and it was similarly, you know, in a similar fashion, we got, um, so that was our supply side. We were, we were getting people, we were signing people up before we really had a product out in the wild. And with our demand side clients, you know, essentially I had a discovery interview with that, with, with a potential client and, uh, you know, we were just talking about it, I, uh, and I simply said, you, you know, I explained to him what we were trying to do, and he said, "Let's, look, we'll give you a crack." So he didn't even see the product, and he was willing to pay for it. So mm. that was a fa- that was a fantastic signal, and and I, you know, I highly recommend everyone do it because, you know, the, the classic, uh, you know, the classic sto- stories that we hear about, you know, the classic startup failures about people building products that don't have customers. It, it's it's you, you can very quickly avoid that that problem Hmm. so in essence it's validating your idea and you do this by having your customers put their money where their mouth is and signing up and paying because in that way you're able to quickly know whether or not this is a viable business because it, it helps differentiate with simple validation where you go out there and ask hey is this a problem is this something that would help you 
and they say yes, but in reality, they don't become a, a customer. So this 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 consolidates that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's that's it. Yes, and and, and I, like I, I think the most important thing is you know better than a survey or anything else. If if you can get them to to hand over cash, then you know for for sure that you're onto something. Do you have a magic number before you say that this particular iteration or business model is validated? So ten customers paying twenty thirty. Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. I was really recently reading a, a book about how to measure anything by a guy called Hubbard. And essentially, you know, when you have a high degree of uncertainty and, and, and you know, new business models, and especially if there's new markets, new products, you know, you're, you're dealing in a situation where there's a high degree of uncertainty. Small sample sizes are very informative. And, you know, for me personally, you know, if, if I can get two or three customers, that's fantastic validation. That's mm. good enough for me. And, and of course, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's enough to know that you're moving in the right direction. And, and one thing I should also mention is that as a startup, not just startups, just businesses in general, we, we, we live in such a fast-moving world where, you know, business models have to evolve. Businesses themselves have to evolve. So, you know, I think if you if you can get one customer, you know, one paying customer, that's that's already fantastic validation. And and you know, if you've got a couple, I would say you're onto a winner. You know, if your market's big, if your average sales price is is you know makes sense, you know, compared to the the volume of trans, you know, the volume of sales that you're going to get, I'd say go for it. I see. So it's it's not a magic number per se, but it just depends on things like volume and your average sales figure yeah yeah so I, 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 you know in terms of you know it doesn't make sense I, I think you know you do want to have a hypothesis about what the market is you know even if it's just a guess you know you should be able to formulate those sorts of things even in even when you don't really know you can you, you can make some educated guesses and and you're going to you're probably going to be accurate enough hmm. What's the balance between focusing on on these traction items and trying to get customers to pay and the non-revenue generating actions like accounting that is still important nevertheless? How do you divide your time here? Yeah, good question. So, you know, with us, definitely, you know, I do spend time accounting. <laughs> um, as a as a founder, you, you oh, it's it's pretty cool actually. It's it's. I think it's the ultimate business degree, actually, because you um, get exposed to every single aspect of the value chain. You know, from boring st- stuff like accounts payable and accounting to you know legal to you know probably the more exciting things like sales and marketing uh, and operations. Mm. But in, in any case, well, you know, it's like those old f- old frameworks. You know, urgent, urgent, and and you know, very important. You know, you. You got to do it. When your BAS statement is due, you got to get it done. Yeah, and I'd say get the urgent stuff done when it needs to be done. You need to have good time management skills, and if you don't have those time management skills, I think you're going to struggle. Yeah, you really are going to struggle as an entrepreneur. Hmm. I get what you mean. It's it's not supposed to be a some sort of complex framework. It's just. If it's non-revenue generating and it has a due date, then make sure you do it before the due date. If you have spare time, then focus on revenue generating uh, activities. 
Absolutely, definitely, uh, completely agree. Uh, I would say also, you know, in terms of the, the time I spend, you know, a, a lot of it is not purely about revenue generation. You know, I, I think, especially now when you know I've got people coming into the business as it's growing, and and they are you know focused on things like sales. But but I think you know, things like raising capital. I think you know, the the the, the lead founder. The CEO really has to has to be good at that. If you're the type of business that that, that needs to raise capital, you, you do need to network. You know, you need to be. You know, yeah, you, you do need to network with others. You, you, you know, you need to build up your in, investor rolodex. So yeah, there, there are definitely you know a whole bunch of activities that that you know a good founder has to do. I'd say even reading is, mm. is something you you got to be well read. Mm. It's just it's just things that you can't avoid as a founder. The the amount of tasks that you have to cover is so wide and broad that it is just something that has to be worked through and you're going to have to fit it through your day somehow yes yes and i think phasing you know staging things is really important i think in the early days in the earliest moments definitely you know getting that early truck attraction getting the early validation getting you know that that first sale is is vitally important and and over time, you'll be you'll be able to develop a pipeline, whether it be a marketing pipeline or a sales pipeline, depending mm. on the type of business you've got. Yeah, it, 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 I would say stage things out. There, there are going to be you know weeks where you, you're focusing on on non non revenue generating activities because it's just a must. Yep, absolutely. Going back to the idea of making sure that you talk to your customers. What if you are in a bleeding edge industry, so you don't exactly know who the customers are, and they don't necessarily know what is it they want? Yeah, it's, it's, that's a great question. I, I think, first of all, I would ask, are you genuinely you know, building a, a cutting-edge product? And, and you know, there, are some, there are some signs that tell you that that, that is, in fact, true. You know, there, there isn't a market for your product. You know, the, the, you know, the people that are involved in building such a product are probably PhDs, you know, mm. The CI, you know, CSIRO alumni, things like that. And if the, if all that's true, I, I think I'll, I would, you know, th- there is the textbook answer of, you know, you know, what's your best hypothesis, and go do the discovery with with, you know, your potential customers and, and learn about their problems. I mean, that's I think that's very valid, and and you have to do that. But I also think about one of my mentors who built a cutting edge product, and you know, his company was for for years without revenue, but, you know, not a single customer. But, um, you know, they did raise capital. They they had a lot of grants and they ended up, it was a successful company because they got bought out by a big multinational. Mm. So, you know, if you're cutting edge, I would say your, your customer is probably not who you think it is. <laughs> you know, I'd say, you know, you probably have access to grants. You probably... Um, you know, there's probably a, a good acquisition opportunity, acquisition strategy that you could take by, by you know, engaging with potential, potentially uh, bigger players who might want to buy you out. Mm. But yeah, they, I mean, definitely you need to do customer discovery. In any case, you need to understand, you know, you need to at least have a hypothesis about um, a potential customer and the problem that they have. Yep. I think I get where you're going with this. The idea is if you genuinely have a bleeding edge product, take a step back to consider your customer very, very carefully because 
true bleeding edge products have the potential to have massive acquisitions just by nature of the fact that they're bleeding edge. And it's not as simple as products that are not necessarily bleeding edge because it's quite clear who the end user might be and the normal day-to-day consumer. Because bleeding edge products, you know, it's, it's, it's big potential, in other words. Yeah, absolutely. How do you personally handle competing feedback from your customers? Is it just a matter of, say, 10 customers prefer X and 20 prefer Y, therefore you go with Y? Mm, well, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, well, I, I wouldn't really do, you know, manage product in, in that manner in the sense, you know, you know, do, do, do you like X, Y, and Z, like a menu and, and, you know, that they make those sorts of choices. I, yeah, I wouldn't manage product in that manner. I think a good way to product manage product is you do the discovery, you know, you under you know, you don't ask, you know, asking someone what's your biggest problem is probably it's unlikely that person's going to give you a a good answer but by asking good open questions they're going to be able to tell you about their life and you're going to be able to start seeing opportunities and 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 as as the product develops you know you're you're going to be able to observe the customer with the product you're you're going to be able to engage with them keep finding out more about your customer and you're going to be able to see opportunities for where the product can go And I think, you know, the, the most important thing really is, you know, customers can have complaints, but, you know, if they're not leaving, you know, I, I hate to be a hard noise about it. If they're, if they're not leaving, it means that you've got product market fit. Hmm. So, you know, especially as a startup, your, your product's going to suck. There's a lot of things that they're not going to like about it. So I, I wouldn't, you know, especially in those early days, I wouldn't worry too much about that. What I'd be worrying about is what their actual behavior is like. Mm. If they're using the product, great. Keep observing that behavior. Keep understanding the problems of the customer. And then from there, start designing the, the product that will, that will, you know, get more engagement out of them that will that, allow you to upsell and cross-sell. Mm. Interesting. So, because you mentioned that when you ask customers, what are your biggest problem so in other words do you want x or do you want y that that'll seldom get any good answers instead the better approach is just to observe them and their behavior towards your product and if they keep on using it then great and then you find and keep on tailoring that from that method yeah yeah, i I would say yeah that's definitely a a good way to go about it you you still can't get away from talking to people i I don't (laughs) think but but yeah definitely observing behavior well really it's about using the correct um the correct research method for the data that you're trying to collect. Certain things are, are you know, you want to observe behavior. Certain things are like, uh, certain things are, are better, you're, you're better off getting in an in-depth interview. And, and when you can, get away with a, a survey, use a survey. Hmm. Absolutely. What's next for you and Unicorn Shift? Yeah, the, the goal is, is for us, I mean, we're very commercially orientated. Um, so for us, it, it's really about... Uh, driving our traction so you know we've we've actually just a couple of days ago we onboarded a pretty big client which will increase our revenues by about 50 percent so that that's really our goal so you know uh, we we do have a a revenue target and it's about you know yeah it's about 10 times what we're what we're um doing right now in terms of revenue monthly revenue but we think we can achieve that within the next 18 months and uh, apart from that we also raising capital to build out our product yeah sounds very exciting well thank you so much for being a guest today on the on the show
Jacob? Well, thank you for your time, William. Uh, yeah, it was great. Where can the guests go if they wanted to learn more and connect with you? Yeah, uh, you, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, Jacob Lesko, if you'll find me. Uh, also, uh, we've got our website, unicornshift.net. If you're interested in making some money as a traffic controller, there, there's a lot of money to be made. Or, or if you're in construction and, and you need traffic control, yeah, feel free to reach out and, and we'll help you out. Amazing. To our audience, I hope that you found what we talked today about validating your idea and talking to customers incredibly valuable. Again, if you'd like to learn more about Jacob, do check his LinkedIn or website out. If you'd like to learn more about the genesis of startups, feel free to drop us a line on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Until next time.